Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast. Today, we're going to be going over the top 16 wide receivers in my current rankings for the 2020 fantasy football season, PPR format. And briefly, I will jump up the top 11 so far. We have covered in two videos the top 12, but the reason I'm only putting 11 on the screen is because one of those top 12, the 12th player in Juju Smith-Schuster, has actually dropped down my rankings to number 15. I will not cover him in this video. We'll give you four fresh names, but there's a new number 12, and hint, hint, there's a player on the board behind me that might be reclaiming and taking that throne of top 12 wide receivers, who is now the last wide receiver one currently in my rankings. I'll give you updates. If you watch those videos, the only other things that have changed in my top 12, because those videos were shot maybe two weeks ago. So more information has been taken in by myself. Not so much news, but more information. I have bumped Kenny Galladay up to number six. Chris Godwin down one to number seven. I've bumped Odell Beckham Jr. up to number nine, which then just made Mike Evans drop down one spot to Odell's former spot at number 10. Nothing else has changed outside of a new number 12. So we're going to be looking at wide receivers 12, since it's the guy behind me, Robert Woods. I'll I'll spoiler alert for you. And then going down through number 16, Juju Smith-Schuster will be number 15 for me. We won't go deep dive into him again. If you want to see that deep dive, you can go back to the previous video, which was top 12 wide receivers. But thank you so much for being here. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Relax. Again, this is your time. If you're brand new here, we relax. We kick back. You got 20 or 30 minutes. You're going to enjoy yourself. If you want to multitask during this, I don't recommend it, but you can, of course. You're going to take your shoes off, of course. Please, please, please take off those goddamn shoes. Get yourself a beverage of your choice. This is your time right now. I want to get into this video and really break down some things. But before we do, I want to ask you the question of the day like we always do. So please get in the comment section, get your interactions up. Hit that like button and the subscribe, the big old subscribe button that just popped up. That lets me reach more people. We're reaching a ton of new people with this content, especially the last couple of weeks. It's getting me excited, anxious, eager, all those things for when July and August come in, that big rush of people coming for fantasy content, building a very strong foundation. And that's thanks to all of you. So please hit that big subscribe button, hit the like button, smash the subscribe button, all those things. So back to the question of the day, would you rather have Robert Woods or Cooper Cup? Which Rams receiver? Let me know in the comments, explain your reasoning. I love that interaction down there. So without further ado, let's get into our top 16 wide receivers for the fantasy football 2020 season. And we're starting with number 12, Robert Woods. We're picking off where we left off. Number 12 is Robert Woods. And I bumped him up a good amount. Originally, he was like my wide receiver 20. Then he moved to 18. And then the more I looked at stuff, the more that I was down on Cooper Cup, the more that I was higher on Robert Woods, he made it all the way up to number 12 for me. And I feel really strong about this. And if you're using my rankings, which will be out shortly in the draft guide, you can get the draft guide for 66% off. If you use that promo code down below on Monkey Knife Fight, they'll email me and then you get the draft guide instead of for $30, just a minimum deposit over there is $10. They're sponsoring the draft guide, makes it cheaper for you, makes more people sign up for me, gives them a customer. It's a win-win-win, honestly. There's no there's no hidden anything behind that one. But Robert Woods right now, if you look at his 2019 stats, 92.9% of the snaps, elite, 90 receptions, over 1,100 yards, just three total touchdowns. He only had two receiving touchdowns and 140 targets. This was now back-to-back seasons for 130 targets for Robert Woods. It was back-to-back seasons that he finished within the top 10 in routes run. Last year, he was sixth in the league in routes run, so he was just being used a ton. Eighth in targets, eighth in receptions last year specifically. Second in yards after the catch at 560. He averaged 15.5 fantasy points per game, and he saw a 23.4% target share just in general. Only those two receiving touchdowns on 140 targets, you can be damn sure that the word regression, pop it up on the screen, is coming for this man, Robert Woods, if he sees anywhere near even half of those targets. Honestly, regression is probably still going to be coming upwards of two receiving touchdowns. So you can see some of the tweets on the board right now, and I really, really like using this information. These are some smart guys over on Twitter, so be sure to give them a follow. But David Zatch, you see him 
saying just two straight years of 130 plus targets. Cooks is now gone and Cooks being gone is a really big deal as well because not only did they change to 12 personnel down the stretch using two tight ends, the first number in that is how many running backs, the second number in that is how many tight ends. So one, two, two tight ends means one running back, two tight ends, 12 personnel. And what you ended up seeing was just Cooper Cup, who was mainly the slot receiver for the first half to 10 weeks of the season. He started coming off the field more because he was not really good on the outside. He couldn't get separation. He's never been forced to play on the outside. And you saw Robert Woods roll increase because he was staying on the field during that time. He ended up seeing more red zone usage. He ended up seeing more overall target share. And you can see Derek Brown's tweet right now saying how the target share, the red zone target share, and also the A dot, the average depth of target, skyrocketed a good amount when Brandon Cooks was out. And I believe it had to do with 12 personnel as well. But a big reason why, especially the A dot, how far down the field you're being targeted was because of Robert Woods. You were seeing though Brandon Cooks on the field and the 12 personnel meant that Robert Woods was on the outside. There was Gerald Everett and Tyler Habe on the field, the tight ends in the middle of the field. And then you had on the other outside, most likely Josh Reynolds during that time over Cooper Cup for a lot of the snaps when Brandon Cooks was out. So of course, Jared Goff is going to favor the guy he loves throwing the ball to the most on the outside, at least in Robert Woods over a guy like Josh Reynolds, who has been solid as a wide receiver for in this offense the last couple of years, but nowhere near the same confidence level. And another bonus to Robert Woods, similar to the people saying it for Debo Samuel, and I don't really buy into it being that sticky, especially Debo as a rookie, how much will he be schemed in his next year? But we've seen Robert Woods dating back to his days in Buffalo and every single year in the Sean McVay offense, see some sort of rushing upside in terms of a wide receiver end arounds. In 2018, you can see Eden Hart's tweet right here. He saw 130 targets, which we touched on, and 19 rush attempts. The year before that, he sees 17 rush attempts in this Rams offense. So even if you slate him in for maybe just 12 rush attempts, maybe 14, you think he's just going to go lower than that, but still not hit a, a crazy floor because he's in this McVay offense and they actually like to use him like once per game on end arounds. Well, now you're going to start to see him getting around 100 rushing yards. Even if you don't factor in touchdowns on the ground, that's going to give you an extra 10 fantasy points to put into your projection, which does boost him up from being my wide receiver 14 to now my wide receiver 12. It's just those extra little things when you're projecting out a player. So Jared Goff actually co-led the NFL last year in overall attempts and overall attempts per game. He had 626 attempts. He had 39.1 per game. That was tied with Jameis Winston. People don't realize that because he only finished as the quarterback 20 because he wasn't that good overall in terms of finishing with touchdowns, only 22 touchdowns. And he had these up and down weeks in, in really gross fashions. I mean, some weeks he was thrown for less than 100 yards and sometimes he was thrown for close to 400 yards. Rams in the offseason have done nothing to threaten Robert Woods' role. If anything, it's just become better. No Brandon Cooks out there anymore. Todd Gurley is now gone, which last year Gurley didn't see much of the target share. But if you're looking back a year before that, Gurley was seeing a ton of targets, close to 80 or around 80 targets. And just some depth pieces, JoJo Nats and Mike Thomas, pretty much all they did was get rid of a lot of receivers, brought in nobody in free agency, as you can see right now in my little chart that I created. And then in the draft, they get Cam Akers, who I'm high on. And then they get Van Jefferson in the second round, which was probably a pick they didn't need based on some other needs. Same thing for Cam Akers, honestly. But they end up taking Van Jefferson. So he's the only real threat. Your wide receivers right now on this team are going to be Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Josh Reynolds, and Van Jefferson, likely in that order. And you have Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby, who are supposed to be factored in. And they're at least basing this based on their draft and based on some comments, looking to do a little bit more 12 personnel. So in my opinion, Robert Woods is the clear alpha on a team that threw the most times per game in the league last year, right there tied exactly with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everybody likes to talk about the Bucs and their passing attack. And now Tom Brady's there. So in my opinion, they're going to be passing less. Whereas the Rams, they're going to be, in my opinion, passing more with a rookie running back back there and still not that great of an offensive line. The durability of Robert Woods is completely fine. I mean, he has not missed a single game due to injury since 2017. He's missed nine games in his career, but a lot of those were towards the beginning of his career. He did miss one game last year. It was a prime time, I believe, Thursday night football game, if my memory serves me correctly, but he missed that game due to a personal matter. So the target competition, we've kind of touched on it a couple of times. The competition here is Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Josh Reynolds. And then if you go a little bit more down the depth chart, you're going to see Gerald Everett. You're going to see the rookie Van Jefferson pop up, but the big three will be Cup, 
Higby and Josh Reynolds, in my opinion. Cooper Cup was a beast last year, 94 receptions, over 1,150 yards, and 10 touchdowns. He also saw over 130 targets with 134, 21.8% of the target share, and an elite 29.2% of the red zone target share was top 10 in the NFL borderline top five. He finished fourth in fantasy points last year in the wide receiver position cup and seventh in red zone targets, but he saw a dramatic downturn in his overall snap percentage, sometimes 60% of the snaps in a week, instead of being up in the 90, 95% range where he was to start the year, where Robert Woods was all season long, you saw Cup start to dive consistently into the 70% range due to the 12 personnel and taking a wide receiver off the field. It just happened to be Cup because he does not have that much experience to beat cornerbacks on the outside like Robert Woods does and like Brandon Cooks had before he got hurt. Tyler Higby last year was an absolute beast. I'll put up a tweet that I had a couple weeks back. Follow me on Twitter at DFS. You can reach out with any questions there as well. But look at this stuff that uh, Tyler Higby did during the final eight games last year when they went more 12 personnel. Gerald Everett was hurt a little bit during that time. He was third in overall fantasy points, first in red zone targets, first in games for tight ends with 100 or more yards. This is all relative to tight ends, of course. He was first in receptions with 51. He was first in targets with 64, second in yards, and he was tied for 10th in touchdowns with two. So one of those things is not like the other and it's the touchdown. So regression possibly for him as well. Uh, You ended up seeing just 17 red zone targets or not just, but 17, a whopping 17 red zone targets and only two touchdowns last year for Tyler Higby down the stretch in those final eight games. So I honestly think he's the biggest threat if they remain in a heavy 12 personnel for a a better chunk of the season, more so than they've done the previous few years to Robert Woods in the middle of the field. I think Higby is going to actually be a threat, but nothing that concerns me too much. And then what they've said and indicated so far is that Josh Reynolds is a veteran out there is more like likely to see the Cooks role, which I think puts him on the field a lot more than people expect in two tight end sets. If now you have a situation where you're not going to have Cup on the field for 90% of the snaps. Maybe he drops down to like 80% of the snaps. It's just naturally going to boost up Josh Reynolds' snap percentage. The rookie Van Jefferson can surely get involved a good amount. And then Brandon Cooks is going to be gone, leaving a few and a good chunk of vacated targets that honestly, there's not much more that can go around to a guy like Robert Woods. If you're telling me he's getting 140 targets uh, last year, there's not much more that can go to him. But if you tell me that he becomes a true like top eight wide receiver, well, that's when you start to get to that 150 plus target range. And really, if he just had his touchdowns come up last year to instead of two, he had a solid year or maybe an average year around six to eight, he would have been borderline a top five wide receiver. So some people might think that I'm high on Robert Woods. I think I'm in the perfect spot. If he gets just some more touchdowns, there's no more Brandon Cooks. The formations that they're going to are going to be there for him. And they just run this guy nonstop. He's going to play 90 to hundred percent of the snaps. You don't have to worry about him coming off the field really ever in this Rams offense. Give me Robert Woods. He's my wide receiver 12. We head down to Minnesota. And honestly, I was watching some YouTube video. Minnesota is like the, the third ranked biggest city in the country. And I know it's freezing there and it snows a lot. So it's just crazy to me that that can actually happen there. But I guess so. I guess Minnesota is where good things happen. And one of them is Adam Thielen and maybe these Minnesota Vikings. He only played 10 games last year, but he played on 69.6% of the snaps, caught 30 balls, 48 targets, just a 17.8% target share. But he had seven touchdowns on those 48 targets. Just unreal. He had a lot of them to start the season. Minnesota actually threw the second fewest times in the league, 31st overall, just 30.9 per game. I do think it's important to point out that when your team doesn't throw a lot per game, you're still going to throw around 30 times, as you can see with Minnesota here. Like I always get people during the season saying, nah, they never throw they're only going to throw 22 times and i'm like what are you talking about they're only going to throw 30 22 times you think this games these are six eight minute quarters like we're in madden right now they're going to throw the ball 30 plus times almost every single game or right around there the average for some of the worst teams in the league yeah they might throw the ball 25 in this one because they're leading i think kirk cousins threw 10 times in week one last year but for the most part it's going to balance out to around 30 to 32 pass attempts even for like the dead last ranked teams in terms of passes per game so some of the efficiency numbers because of the fact that he had so many touchdowns on few targets 2.38 fantasy points per target that was third in the nfl and sixth in the NFL in fantasy points per route run at 0.58 
he finished with 11.4 fantasy points per game. That's very much due to the fact that he had so many touchdowns on such few targets. He was able to really stay up there in the top five in terms of efficiency for wide receivers. Minnesota was using very heavy two tight end sets last year with the rookie, who's now going to be a second year sophomore in Irv Smith Jr., very talented and versatile player, as well as Kyle Rudolph, the veteran out there. So it only allowed Adam Thielen to play in the slot 32% of the time. People remember Adam Thielen as a slot receiver. The year before that, he played in there the majority of the time, 57% of the time. So last year, he's not a slot receiver anymore. This offense is very much so two tight end sets. And now with the addition of Justin Jefferson, a primary slot receiver out of college, I don't think you're going to be seeing Adam Thielen in the slot all that often. And based on just the way that they run their offense, probably less than 40% of the time. Let's take a look at this tweet by Graham Barfield about the Adam Thielen last three seasons when he's been healthy, right? These 40 games the last three years when he's been healthy and his durability, there's not much of a concern. Yes, he missed six games last year because of an ankle injury, but before that had not missed a single game since his debut, his rookie season in 2014. That's about five years of playing 16 straight games. So a pretty good durability there. I'm not going to be worried about an ankle injury, those things at some point in your NFL career, especially as a receiver running routes in the middle of the field on the outside, you're going to roll an ankle at some point. Graham Barfield's tweet here, you've seen Adam Thielen in the last three years when he's healthy, those 40 games, he's sixth in fantasy points per game, that's 16.7, sixth in yards per game at 79.9, that's a very interesting number, seventh in receptions at 6.1, that makes sense, and then ninth in yards per route run at 2.09. He's been a fantastic option. Right now, you can see when this tweet was made in the middle of May, Graham Barfield said that Adam Thielen was going around wide receiver 16, so we are above market on Adam Thielen, having him at wide receiver 13 here, and I think it's going to pay dividends for you watching this, for myself, if you end up landing him at that that spot. I think it's a value. He gets to play another year with a quarterback that he knows, which some wide receivers that are up here in these rankings, maybe they're not. Maybe they're changing teams. A new quarterback is coming in, but we don't have to worry about much. Kirk Cousins is one of the most accurate passers in the league. He was sixth in adjusted yards per attempt. He was fourth in play action passing and fifth in true passer rating last year with 110.6%. So it's really good to see that out of Kirk Cousins. The accuracy has always been there for him, which is going to help a guy like Adam Thielen out of the slot on the outside, wherever he is, Cousins threw 26 TDs on 444 attempts last year. He had over 3,600 yards. So what does the target competition look like for Adam Thielen? Well, there's no more Stefan Diggs. So let's start there where there's going to be a ton of, ton of vacated targets and opportunity. 15 games last year, Diggs was on the field for 83% of the snaps, caught 63 balls over 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. He saw 93 targets. Now we saw 28 deep targets, which is 20 or more yards down the field. That ranked fifth in the NFL. His 17.9 yards per reception ranked ninth in the NFL and his 12.1 yards per target ranked third in the NFL. So not only are there 93 targets to go around. There's high upside targets down the field with 28 of them and a lot of yards per reception to go around. I don't know if Adam Thielen necessarily takes that, but there's not a ton of players on this team in general that have the opportunity to actually snatch that deep target share away. I'll pop the chart up right here, but not only did they get rid of Steph Diggs in the offseason, they got rid of Laquan Treadwell, two receivers who were the main deep threat targets on this team. Now they did add Tajay Sharp, so it'll be interesting to see what Tajay Sharp can end up doing, wide receiver, a former Titan. Tajay Sharp was actually top five in fantasy points per opportunity and fantasy points per target because he saw four touchdowns on 35 targets, similar to Thielen in terms of that number was skewed because he saw such few targets, but a lot of touchdowns on them. But he was an efficient player just in general. You saw him have the fourth best true catch percentage, Tajay Sharp at 92.6%. I think he might be the leading candidate, Tajay Sharp, to see a lot of these downfield targets in Minnesota. Unless Adam Thielen completely changes his game and Justin Jefferson coming out of LSU completely changes his game as a downfield threat, it's either going to be these tight ends, which I don't feel good about them, or it's just going to be out of necessity, some Tajay Sharp. Now they do have some other players in BZ Johnson, but he's not going to threat down the field all that much. He caught 
31 of 45 targets last year, just 9.5 yards per reception. A lot of that was out of the slot. He played the most out of the slot on this team at 38.2%. So I do think Tajay Sharp probably is the best opportunity down the field. Some other guys in Chad Beebe, slot receiver, not going to get much. KJ Osborne, a rookie, potentially can be used on the outside, but I'm not really sure if that's where they want to put him. And then mainly Justin Jefferson, who's going to be forced to the outside. You can see my profile right here in Justin Jefferson. Again, I'll have every single rookie profile for my rookie rankings up on the draft guide in just about a week and a half or two weeks. You can check all that out. And if you want to get in right now, special offer for 66% off. You make a minimum deposit over on Monkey Knife Fight. Link down below. It's $10 minimum deposit. So instead of paying $30 for it, you put $10 on their site. They're sponsoring the site. They'll send me your email and I will send you a free coupon to the draft guide once it's released. So you can see Justin Jefferson played 92.8% of his snaps from the slot last year, and he ended up having 97.8% of his targets come from the slot, a 21.5 overall percent target share last year, over 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, and 111 receptions on the LSU championship college football champions last year. So the setup's likely going to be Dalvin Cook in the backfield, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson on the outside, Irv Smith, and Kyle Rudolph on the field in two tight end sets for a lot of the time when they move into three wide receiver sets with 11 personnel and only one tight end and one running back on the field. It'll probably be Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and I assume some form of Tajay Sharp and Busy Johnson, whoever's in the slot probably a rotating door, maybe Justin Jefferson to start the season. Give me some Adam Thielen at number 13. If he is healthy and he's been healthy for the majority of his career, I feel really good about Adam Thielen coming through for us and producing a top 15 season just based on the way that he's used in this offense and his connection with Kirk Cousins and pretty much every other thing that I just said. Before we get into the next player, please do, before we get into number 14 overall, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button first, smash the subscribe button, and also hop into the Discord. It's a free group texting app right now. It's free to just enter. We get in there. There's a ton of people talking every single day about fantasy football creating leagues, talking about some stuff. I drop my content updates in there, but a lot of things are happening in there. You can stay up to date on everything that's happening. Have conversations with like-minded people. Totally free to enter down below. There you go. Let's get back into this beautiful, beautiful video. My number 14 wide receiver is Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley right now is being hyped up in the entire community. And I'm kind of on board with it. Last year, he played 13 games. He missed the final three games. His only three games missed in the NFL down the stretch with an abdominal strain to close out the 2019 season. But when he was healthy, he played 80.9% of the snaps, 60 three receptions for just under 875 yards, had seven touchdowns on 93 targets. He ended up seeing an overall 17.7% target share, 13.1% in the red zone. He saw 15 fantasy points per game, which ranked top 20 in the NFL. Atlanta passed the most per game at 45.9 attempts per game. His catch rate was just 67.7%, which ranked 23rd in target accuracy. So that can surely come up. He was 17th in fantasy points per target. He saw 66.6 yards per game and only 11.7% slot snaps because that was basically Mohamed Sanu's role, the first half of the season. And then the second half of the season, it was Russell Gage's role. But I want to start to look at his final eight games of the season and then pinpoint his final four games of the season when he started to break out. You see Matt Jajewski's tweet right here. Follow him on Twitter. Check out his YouTube channel. But Calvin Ridley started to explode. Look, look at the final eight games are really his final six games when healthy. 19% target share. That was a bump up. 31% air yards. That was a huge bump up. 70.4 receiving yards per game. That was about five more than his season average. And then 7.0 targets per game, which is a good chunk more. Now, if you look at the information on the screen that I made of his final four games, he starts to break out even more. He starts to see nine targets per game in his final four games, 36 overall. He led all Atlanta players in most receiving categories. He had 10 receptions more than anybody else, 173 yards more than anybody else, and he had 10 targets more than anybody else. Over those final four games, his target share went from 17% on the season to 22% 
absolutely elite. He started to break out. It was very sad that his final three games he ended up getting hurt, so we couldn't really see the full emergion. But if we were to see Calvin Ridley's final three games, there's a good chance he would be a consensus like top 12 wide receiver. The fact that he's going around wide receiver 18 to 20 in a lot of drafts right now is good, and his injury might have actually suppressed his overall upside for incoming this year when it comes to ADP, so we can get him as a value. Now, what did the Falcons do in the offseason? Well, they did bring in some wide receivers to not threaten Calvin Ridley, but the fact that Mohamed Sanu is out there anymore, they bring in Laquad Trenwell, mainly a deep option, which anything might help Calvin Ridley. It might force Julio and Laquan Tribal to the outside in three wide receiver sets and Ridley into the slot. That's one way they can go. Another way that they can go is Julio and Ridley on the outside with Russell Gage in the slot like they had last year. They bring in Todd Gurley, of course. They bring in Hayden Hurst, which is just a flop, in my opinion, in terms of Austin Hooper leaving. Devonta Freeman leaving is just an upgrade when you get Todd Gurley there. And then some offensive line pieces mainly. They get Matt Hennessy, who was their only offensive pick in the draft. He is a center. So what does the target competition look like out here? Well, the main target competition will be Julio and Hayden Hurst, in my opinion. And then whoever the wide receiver three is between Russell Gage and the Quan Treble. It could be a rotating piece. I assume it's Russell Gage at least to start the year out of the slot with Ridley on the outside. We'll see if they ever transition Ridley into the slot mainly, which in my opinion would help him. I think there's a lot more upside and efficiency metrics that can happen there for Ridley out of the slot, especially touchdowns. And then Laquad Treadwell would move to the outside if that was the formation they were to use. So the target competition was mainly Julio Jones. We all know Julio. He even missed a game and he seemed like he had a bad year, but he still caught an overall 1,394 yards, ending up with a total reception number of 99 and he had six touchdowns. So it seemed like a bad year, 156 targets, at least in my opinion, it seemed like he was never exploding and he still goes absolutely off, finishes as like a top five wide receiver, 25.7% target share. Russell Gage really started to come on at the end of the year, overall in the season, 49 receptions on 74 targets, 12.9% of the Falcons target share, only one touchdown and 446 yards. He actually dropped a touchdown as well last year. But if you look at just the final six weeks of the season where there's no Mohamed Sanu and also for half of those games, no Calvin Ridley, he saw eight targets per game. So Matt Ryan at least trusted him enough to throw to him when he was in the slot eight times per game over those final six weeks. Pretty impressive. And now they're going to get Hayden Hurst in place of Austin Hooper. In my opinion, a big upgrade talent-wise for this offense. Austin Hooper was great last year, but mainly because they threw the most times in the league. He was just falling into that. He was not doing much after the catch. Hayden Hurst was seventh in yards per target and sixth in yards per route run among all tight ends last year as a backup in Baltimore. He's a very efficient, smooth route running. He's an athletic freak at the tight end position. Came out as one of the best tight ends touted the year that he came out. And he's just kind of been buried behind Mark Andrews. I'm excited for him to have a bigger role this year in an offense that throws the most per game compared to Baltimore, who threw the fewest times per game and ran the most per game last year. You're going to get 40 targets out of him last year and 30 receptions. I think that number can potentially double, if not higher this year. So give me Calvin Ridley. I like where he's at right now. 14th overall for me. I feel strongly about that in an offense that you just know is going to finish borderline top five in pass attempts per game and overall passing offense. I like having the piece of Calvin Ridley in that. Somebody whose career and right now at age 25 and a half is hitting his prime. Whereas Julio, I don't think we're saying that Julio is absolutely done, but he's had 10 years of dominance. At some point, Julio is going to take a dip down and that's going to impact even more Calvin Ridley to take a huge hockey stick spike upwards. I think this could be that year. So mentioned at the top of the show, my wide receiver 15 now is actually Juju Smith-Schuster. He was originally my wide receiver 12. Why did I bump him down to 15? A few reasons. You can check out the video for all of my reasons on liking Juju as a top 15 wide receiver this year. That was just the top 12 wide receivers video. The one before this one, there's a top six one. That's the one before this one. You can get primed on all those guys that I put in the chart to start, but mainly because I got higher on Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is my wide receiver 34 as I film this. He was originally like my wide receiver 40. But the fact that I moved Deontay Johnson up that much, it means in my projections, it 
bumped Juju down just a little bit. And then you factor in some projection changes for Robert Woods. It just made him drop a couple of spots. It's nothing dramatic, but Juju is my wide receiver 15, which gives us to our final wide receiver for this video, Amari Cooper, wide receiver 16, Dallas Cowboys. Surprising to probably many, Amari played every single game last year, even though he dealt with pretty much every possible injury it seems like you can deal with. Amari Cooper last year was on the injury report for a knee, a quad, an ankle, a foot. He was checking in and out of games, most notably the end of the game last year and the, the biggest game of the season for the Cowboys. He ends up checking out and they're putting in guys like Tavon Austin in his place. But in those 16 games, Amari played 77.7% of the snaps. He had over 1,180 yards, eight touchdowns, and he had a 20.7% overall target share. He was seventh in yards, eighth in touchdowns, and he saw 15.4 fantasy points per game, which ranked top 15 in the NFL. He was 10th overall in yards per route run, and he was ninth in yards per target with 10 yards per target and 2.6 yards per route run. His 2.07 fantasy points per target as well ended up being top 20 in the league at 18th overall. Now, he didn't play much out of the slot because Randall Cobb was fourth in the entire NFL in slot routes run last year and just slot usage at 91.9. It forced Amari to play just 14.2% of the slot snaps. Gallup, Michael Gallup, the wide receiver two last year, breaking out, saw 13.5% of the slot snaps. The quarterback Dak Prescott is primed to have a huge year. He's currently my quarterback three. He went for 4,900 yards last year, 4,901 to be exact, and 30 touchdowns. He ended up being 10th in true pass rating and second in deep ball accuracy. But this is the crazy thing. He should have had 5,000 yards. He missed 5,000 yards by 99 yards, but his wide receivers had the most drops in the league by a wide margin. 42 drops last year. I mean, if you just convert six or seven of those passes, you're probably at 5,000 plus yards. Honestly, if you convert like five of them, you might be there. So Amari in the offseason got the big five-year $100 million deal. That was one of the biggest things that the Dallas Cowboys did, if not the biggest thing outside of the draft that they did, was re-sign Amari Cooper to that mega deal, $100 million. But it's not all guaranteed. I mean, I think in two years or so, there's an opt-out so they can actually opt out of this contract and he doesn't get anywhere near the far majority of it. But there's a big chunk of it that was guaranteed, close to 50%. Outside of that, they get backup quarterback Andy Dalton, backup tight end Blake Bell out of the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And then a lineman, Cameron Irving. They lost Jason Witten. They lost Randall Cobb. Travis Fredericks retires. So they lose a decent amount of stuff. And the NFL draft is really where they go all out. They had the best NFL draft. CD Lamb falls to them at 17. So they just take him, a wide receiver, to fill the void of Randall Cobb now in the slot. A very good fill of the void of the guy who led the league in drops last year in Randall Cobb, Tybeth Odell. They get a center that they need with Travis Fredericks, obviously now going to retire. And then they get some key defensive pieces for their teams, most notably Alabama cornerback Trevion Diggs, where they needed that cornerback depth with no more Byron Jones. So the Dirt ability. He missed three games in 2017, two with an ankle, one with a concussion. And then in 2019, he missed no games, but he was battling through injuries. Like I said, the knee, the quad, the foot, the ankle, so many injuries he was battling through that he is no longer going to have to battle through. At least that's the expectation and hope for this year. So what is the target competition for a guy like Amari Cooper, right? A guy like Amari Cooper who sees around 120 targets last year. What is his target competition going to be this year? Well, most notably, it's going to be Michael Gallup who broke out last year. Gallup saw 112 targets for himself. He saw over 1,100 yards himself. One of the most quiet 1,100 yard seasons that you'll see. Six touchdowns for Gallup. He did all of this in just 14 games. Secondly is going to be the man who fills in for Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb had 79 targets over 800 yards and 55 receptions last season. And now this is going to be filled by CD Lamb. CD Lamb in college last year had a 90 PFF grade, over 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns, and a 24.7% target share. As a true freshman, I mean, look at this stuff. As a true freshman, he had 807 yards and seven touchdowns. That's as a true freshman right off the streets out of high school, beating guys in college football that have probably played two or three years at cornerback. Absolutely unreal from CD Lamb. So he's a highly talented player. But here's the thing like, Randall Cobb had 
Again, 79 targets, 55 receptions. He had over 800 yards in this overall offense last year. So a lot of people are saying, oh my God, CD Lambs, this ruins Amari Cooper. Yeah, maybe in dynasty formats, it's a knock on Amari Cooper two to three years from now. Who knows if he'll be on this team after their opt out. But for this specific year for Gallup and Cooper, I'm not concerned at all. And yes, I mean, I'm not concerned at all with CD Lamb being there. Unless you were somebody sitting there thinking that CD Lamb will see a thousand yards this season, or you think that this Dallas Cowboys offense just in general and Dak Prescott regresses to like only 4,000 passing yards as opposed to where they were right around borderline. 5,000 last year, then maybe you have a case for CD Lamb can actually be a big impact percentage wise of the target share to Amari Cooper. But if you think that Dak's throwing for around 4,500 to 4,800 yards, which I have him in that range right now, and you think that CD Lamb can just take on the Randall Cobb role of 850 receiving yards of maybe 60 receptions, then how is it really going to impact Amari or Michael Gallup? Yes, maybe it impacts their ceiling, but that's me automatically giving a rookie 850 yards, which I'm, I'm not going to do. I'm just saying for this example, and maybe around five touchdowns. Now, what happens if CD Lamb only goes out there and has 650 yards? three touchdowns in his rookie season and 50 receptions. Now that's only going to help Amari Cooper. And that's honestly probably a realistic outcome. Yes, he's a first round talent, but this is a loaded offense where there's elite wide receivers in Amari Cooper and a second year guy who was second year last year, Michael Gallup, who absolutely broke out and is going to take another step forward this year. So if you just insert CeeDee Lamb into this offense for Randall Cobb, not to mention that you're going to have Jason Witten right now leaving behind 63 receptions and 82 targets. Again, that is 113 slot targets alone left behind by Randall Cobb and Jason Witten from last season. That will surely help Blake Jarwin a good amount, but also CD Lamb. So I don't think there's much that's going to be coming off the bone of Amari Cooper. And yes, maybe he doesn't see as much of an upside, but last year, the guy's finishing as a top 20 wide receiver. I have him at wide receiver 16 this year. That's without scoring a ton of touchdowns. That's with playing injured for really the last quarter or half of the season. So I'm not too worried about CD Lamb this specific season, hurting Amari Cooper, hurting Michael Gallup. If anything, I think he just takes on the Randall Cobb role. And then there's more upside for Amari Cooper in this offense, if he can stay healthy. So that is where I'm at right now. My top 16 wide receivers, please take a second of your time. If you just have a second, if you're on your phone, your laptop, whatever doing. You're walking. This is on your podcast. Hit that like button on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button on the podcast. If you leave me a podcast review or something in the comments section that is nice about the show, a review about it, I'll be sure to put it and feature one to two people on the next video that I make at the end of the videos. I'm going to be start doing that. Just get this community feeling going a lot more. I appreciate all of your feedback, all of your honesty about the show. So I want to be sure I can share that with any new people that are watching this. So starting in the next show, at the end of the shows, we'll pull up one or two people's stuff. Uh, and mainly I'll prioritize the podcast reviews. So if you want to go to the Sal Vetri show, subscribe to the podcast. It helps me out a ton. Leave a review. It'll allow you to more easily get featured on the show. So like button, please smash the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and please sure to answer the question of the day, Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. I hope I didn't influence you too much to choose one side of that after watching this video, but be sure to do that down below for me. Get into the discord. And if you want the draft guide, a lot of people are asking about my rankings, all these things, tiers, player profiles, a lot of stuff, projections, stats, all this. It's going to be available on a draft guide website that I'm making in hopefully two weeks at most. But for right now, if you want to get in for early access, you can get 66% off by just making a minimum deposit at Monkey Knife Fight cost you 10 bucks instead of 30 that it will be once the draft guide releases. So thank you so much. My name's Sal. Follow me on Twitter at DFS, and I will see you all in the next one.